Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Empowered Empath. Today, we are going to talk about vulnerability and authenticity. This is Melanie Van. I'm on with Kristen Walker, and Kristen has some very exciting news to share today. Kristen, do tell. Well, we, hope, we hope it's exciting for <laughs> exactly. you guys that listen. We don't want to take away from the podcast because we love the auditory piece of it. To me, it's such a it, for me as a host, I I don't like being, it's a completely different thing to do a podcast than it is to do like a, a video for YouTube. Because many times when I'm doing an interview, I close my eyes for almost the whole interview so that I'm just totally <laughs> and completely focused, not distracted. And I'm literally in this bubble of you know, just auditory sensations. And I really like that. And I've noticed when uh, some of the podcasters, including me, have done a podcast that they also do as a webcast, you, the listener, are missing out on some things because they're giving each other, you know, um, clues vision wise, you know, they're flicking their hand or they're shaking their head or whatever. You don't hear that they're doing that. And so they skip the language part, you know, it gets easy to do that. You can skip the need to tell what you're doing so that you guys know what's happening because you now vision is involved and you can have a, you know, you can shortcut explaining something. And so I really like this medium for that. Plus it feels so private. Nobody knows that you're listening to it. Um, they don't have to know. It just, it's, I don't know, there's something very um, in intimate about it. However, we also have um, a smart TV channel. We have YouTube now. We just put it up. So we have like 10 subscribers or so. It's probably, you know, <laughs> five people I know. And, but, you know, that's fine. Um, it'll, it'll build itself up. But we're going to do some cool things where Melanie has a beautiful place in her home where um, she'll be filming from. I have a beautiful space that I'm in where I'll be filming from. We will film together. Sometimes we're going to go out with our horses and do some of these empowered empath shows 
um, in that space and we will put those up on YouTube. We will have those on our um, smart TV channel and we'll also just have them as audio podcasts. So um, that's the exciting news. Neither of us really enjoys being on camera, but we're going to do it anyway because the point is to get the message out. Um, and I like launching it with our Empowered Empath show because that's the most downloaded. <laughs> so that's the news. I hope that wasn't too long-winded. I'm trying to not do that this week. No, no. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's just a natural evolution of where we both are as empowered empaths. Um, right. You, neither, like you said, neither one of us is really comfortable with, you know, taking a selfie. I don't know that I ever really have. I just post that someone else has taken of me. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, cause I'm horrible at doing it and just don't, don't like doing it. Um, and then also oh, weird. Doesn't it, it is weird. weird. It is weird. And it's nothing against people that do. It's all good. I think it's just not the error that we grew up in. So it just feels strange for us to do something like that. <laughs> um, so, but, but you know, the, the video piece is um, I feel like it's linked to what we're talking about today and that's vulnerability and authenticity. And, and I think as we have learned more about ourselves through doing these podcasts and all of the work that we do uh, in our own time through counseling and other avenues that we uh, take part in to empower ourselves, that it just feels natural that we want to share more of ourselves to our listeners and kind of help our listeners understand exactly what it takes um, mm -hmm. tangibly to become empowered empath. And part of that for me, and it wouldn't be this for everyone, but part of that for me is creating um, spaces within my home uh, that feel safe and uh, are pretty because I like pretty things. You know, I'm a Libra, <laughs> so I just like pretty things. And, um, and, it, and it creates a safe and peaceful environment. And I think sometimes people just don't know how to do that. They don't understand self-care because so right. often empaths put other people first. So I think that we'll just be able to reach more people with the videos. It's a part of Mental Health News Radio Network staying um, relevant in the field right. because so many people are doing these videos now. And I, I think we're just kind of ready to stick our necks out there, even though it makes <laughs> us uncomfortable and uh, and share more of who we are. So agreed, agreed. And I will yeah. say this: I love pretty things too, but I have some issues <laughs> with it uh, because it was forced upon me and all that. And I was very much tomboy, which you were too, Melanie. But yep. I I don't uh, I, like my place is very monochromatic. It's a lot of like hard edges and clean lines and it just the coloring is it's perfect for me it's very ikea architectural digest sort of stuff i don't know whatever i'm not a designer i'm probably speaking nonsense <laughs> but anyway it's perfect for me and i but i love pretty pink frilly things i wouldn't have them in my home because that just isn't my style but i love them so i live part of my pretty girly frilliness through melanie <laughs> <laughs> and i have no problem with that i like to even just go in your closet and be like oh my god look at these look at all this pink and these shoes and 
I even have put them on sometimes and like walked around and be like, I'd be dead in five minutes if I walked in these suckers. Uh, well, yeah, but, I was a tomboy, but I was a, still a tomboy that wore pink and purple and you know, it was prissy, <laughs> but I was still riding motorcycles and go-karts. So, and that, yes. that's part of authenticity. That's part that's of authenticity, right. folks. It's, it's learning how to appreciate who you really are, what your real likes are. And I think so many times, especially when you get into a relationship with a narcissist, they, they kind of take control of who you are and you start doing things to please them, or you just get so far away from um, who you really are because you just kind of fade away in the background that you eventually forget the things that you really like. Because a lot of times I think a narcissist will kind of pick at the things that make you, you, because that's where part of your strength is. And so they'll just, they'll just pick at it. Like, you know, maybe you dress a certain way and they're, they're always going to want you to dress another way or wear your hair a certain way. And they're going to want you to wear your hair differently or what kind of car you drive or, you know, they may just put down anything that you're a fan of. And that is completely intentional. It's manipulative. It's a, it's a teardown tactic where the things that they know bolster you, uh, they try to tear those things away from you so that you become vulnerable. And mind you, this is the mind screw of it all. All those things that they tear down are the things that they exalted about you in the beginning when you were being yes. love bombed. So that's exactly. why you're like, well, you, you, that's what you used to, that's what you said you fell in love with me for. And now yep. this is some flaw of my, you know, that that's why it's so, it's such a mind screw. Yeah. It's just another gaslighting technique where it's, makes you question your reality. So then you can start changing um, to try to appease the person because you want that initial feeling of the love bombing back. So uh, it's all very insidious. We use that word a lot, but that, and that's the thing is that I think for the most part empaths and all relationships, you know, forget narcissists, let's not give them any credit for a moment, but in all relationships we go into very vulnerability um, at first before we've kind of been wounded, right? So we go Mm -hmm. into these relationships with our hearts open and just ready um, to be open and willing to to stand by people, etc. And oftentimes that vulnerability becomes a trigger point for you. And so because you've been so hurt and you've been so taken advantage of, so then this vulnerability that really constitutes who you are and as part of your authenticity, becomes something that is triggering to you because it's led to, uh, you know, being hurt and betrayed. So mm. I think that's why it's so hard for an empath to maintain their vulnerability um, and not sometimes come off as cold or cynical or, or things like that, because it, it's when your heart is that open and if you do remain true to yourself, then that vulnerability piece is, is just hard. So I think that's where, like we talked about managing your emotions, that last series we did, Kristen, mm-hmm. that's where that managing your emotions part comes into play because in order to maintain your vulnerability, you're going to have to learn how to manage your emotions so that you can continue to be who you really are and not shut down you know, the very strength that, that makes you who you are. I mean, there's really nothing worse than being an empath and then betraying that empathy 
uh, because you've been hurt. And it's a natural response. It's what naturally any human would do when they've been hurt. But for an empath, it's death, really, because you're yeah. not being who, who you're made to be. Uh, and so it's just like asking someone that isn't an empath, which there are wonderful people out there that aren't empaths. It, it's just like asking them to be an empath and that would make them very weak because that's just not where they are. Right. Um, you know, we talk about being an empath and by no means do we ever want our audience to think that people that don't consider themselves empaths are, are less than. That's not it at all. No, it, we, value, we don't even, yeah, we don't oh even gosh, say value those people. Yeah, we don't even because, say empaths are better than others. No, God, no, no. that's not Everybody what I'm saying. Is, is everybody. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, I, like I said, I value those people in my life because it gets me out of the dark thinking sometimes that an empath can have, right? And so I really <laughs> value those people that just are more practical um, and, and, and aren't run so much by their, by their emotions. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and, and that actually brings up a point that I believe I read an article about. There we go again. Melanie reading articles, right? I love it. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times uh, some, some people may kind of roll their eyes at the word empath. Yeah. And then I think sometimes it's equated with uh, like a mental illness or something. Oh, they're just borderline or, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they're depressed or anxious or they don't, they're crazy or don't know how to manage their emotions or they're, quote, too sensitive, um, which equates to something negative and that's the whole reason why we call this show empowered impasse because um i think sometimes those that are that are in pass may have more issues with depression and anxiety because of how sensitive we are and how we experience the world it just be we see the world differently that's the bottom line some people go their entire life and they just don't see the things that we see and that's and part of feel right, the world differently. Exactly. We feel it differently. Our emotions are stronger and different. And so I think that can lead to um, a seemingly some type of, you know, disorder of some sorts. And if it is, then so be it. Again, even more reason to learn how to manage your emotions. But it doesn't make um, being an empath, you know, any make you less than or, you know, it, it just means that that you do have these sensitivities and those are things that can take you into wonderful situations. I mean, I would dare say that a lot of the empaths of the world are, you know, great warriors that have fought in wars because they had the intuition to know what was coming or they had the right. intuition to not go down this path, but go down this path where they could have the surprise attack on someone. You know, it's just like a lead mayor, Kristen. You know, the lead mayor is generally extremely hypersensitive. Mm -hmm. And so that lead mayor is what keeps her herd alive. <laughs> you know, that right. is what keeps. And, and so the people that are that are in paths in life, you know, we have we have these gifts and if we just learn how to use them, it can really kind of help our world in general uh, move forward. Whereas uh, instead of uh, holding us back, which I think it often does, because we just don't talk yep. about these things. We don't talk about these things and um, everyone just kind of wants to move forward. And sometimes feelings just aren't valued as much and feelings are seen as weaknesses. And yep. 
I think it's a really scary society where feelings and emotions are seen as weakness. It literally makes us who we are. Absolutely. And we've, you know, got to stop doing that, which I think we are a little bit. And I think that's why that whole meditative piece is coming to be so popular. Yoga, meditation, stuff like that, I think is our way of honoring ourselves and our feelings. We're just not calling it that. What do you think, Kristen? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, um, I mean, the biggest thing, I'd say the biggest gotcha, the biggest uh, need to do for an empath is you have to, have to, have to become a ninja about your self-care. And that is so opposite of how we behave. We're, it's always everybody else. And we've talked about, you know, evacuating your own feelings and feeling everybody else's and you've got no space for your own. That's not good either. But the actual physical act of consistent self-care and I don't want to, that word, you know, gets overused. So, okay consistent act of doing really nice things for yourself that make you feel good, that fill you up emotionally, yeah. uh, that help your emotional currency um, and not doing things that drain your emotional capital it can be really small things. They can be that every day you have a ritual that you light a candle, you say something nice and you blow it out. I mean, it could be something simple like that. Um, but we, we, absolutely have to do that stuff um, more than other people have to um, because of how emotional we are and where we live emotionally. And for me, I've noticed like, okay, social media, I get it. It's a wonderful thing. It can be used for amazing reasons and dipping out of it because there's so much stuff, there's so much data, there's so much information, there's so many ways to misconstrue things. There's all kinds, of, it's just a lot of stuff coming at you all the time. And pulling out of that and, and looking at how much emotional capital am I giving to my so, you know, social media, to Facebook, to what have you. Um, you know, what, what actually, what could I be spending all that time doing instead of that? You know, could I be walking through the woods? Could I be uh, reading a book? My God, reading a book, what a concept. I mean, just, you know, all those kinds of things, taking a shower before you go to bed and scrub yourself with sea salts and, and, and actually take the moment to, as you're doing it, go, I am scrubbing off the day. Everything that happened today, I'm just scrubbing it off. Just little things like that um, that you do for yourself are absolutely vital. And here's, here's what I used to do. So I would be talking, to, and I still can do this. I could be talking to a friend and they're like, yeah, I, every night I, you know, scrub myself head to toe with this sea salt thing that I do and um and scrub off the day and my first thought when someone told me this was you actually take the t oh how do you find the time to do that you do that every day to me that seemed like this monumental task to just do that and why because i was spending a monumental time taking care of everybody else <laughs> yep yep so true 
and you just don't even think about it. It already comes naturally to you to take care of everyone else, okay? It just does. It does. What you have, that's, you don't need to work on that. You need to work on, you know, enabling people for sure, but you've got that covered. You're an athlete at caretaking. What you need to become an athlete on and that you need to build muscles around and that's going to be difficult and a challenge is your self-care. Yep. I mean, and it can happen in so many different ways. I mean, you know, Kristen, you you know me, you know, I, I, I try to take part in a lot of self-care things like physically um, that are that would just be on the outside, uh, you know, so I keep things nice in my home that makes me happy. I try to exercise pretty regularly. I, uh, you know, get up and make my bed and get dressed and do my makeup and all those types of things that are on the outside. But a lot of times on the inside, I'm still putting myself last, you know, I'm still not honoring all those things you can do. And again, I think I've read a really great article about that. Um, And I think the title of it was like self-care is not about getting pedicures or something like that. And although those things can help and they do really help me a lot, you still have to be able to internally take care of your feelings and your emotions, because that's how an empath gets lost, I think, is when we ignore our own feelings and emotions for the sake of others. And then, you know, when you keep ignoring something, what happens? It just kind of, it's not healthy anymore. And it just kind of, it doesn't flourish. And so when you're completely ignoring your emotions all the time, you get to a point where you don't even know what your emotions are. You don't even know how to listen to yourself anymore because you've pushed it away And that has become your new normal, Mm -hmm. which is really hard to unwind, isn't it? It is. It it really is. And let's let's unpack that even more. So what can we do for ourselves emotionally? Okay, that's huge. So boundaries, big priority for empaths. Like more than anybody else, we really need to become Olympiads about boundaries, <laughs> healthy boundaries with people saying no, pulling out of situations that uh, are dra- emotionally draining because, I mean, a lot of people want my advice my or they just want to dump. Um, they're having a rough day and so they just want to you know, dump it on me. I've had people say, tell me what to do. And here's where I'm at, you know, right now. And I listen, I go to therapy every single week. So I do my work, you know, and I do all kinds of other things as well. Work with my horse. A horse is a great way for empaths to really get in touch with creating emotional room and creating enough room that you can be present for yourself in your own life. But here's, here's something that I did this week that was interesting. I have, uh, you know, a few people that everybody asks me for advice and that's fine. Um, that's kind of, you know, my job as the CEO of this network and what have you, but then I will have people that want me to make decisions for them. Uh, yeah, that's a tough all one. All the time, all the time. And I, I said to someone this week, I said, you know, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And something I've learned is I've told people what to do in the past and when they did it, 
it was a disaster with whoever they were dealing with because of the way they said and interpreted what I do. So I, it's not okay for me to tell someone what to do in a situation that they really need to handle themselves because they're on their own journey. They can't take my advice and go use it and the exact words out of my mouth of how they would handle a situation because the person that receives the information is going to react to the person that they're having an issue with, which is the person who came to me for advice. And they're going to suddenly be like, who in the hell is get this isn't you. It it actually causes an issue. So yeah. I'm I'm very careful about that. You know, I deliver my own message, you need to deliver your own message. And I will tell people, here's a sample of what you could do, but rewrite it in your own words or say it in your own words or digest this and have it come out, you know, in your own way, because otherwise it's not going to work. It just isn't going to work. And I had to say to somebody, okay, listen, stop asking me um, what to do. You're asking, you're ask. you just want to dump the problem on me because you can't deal with it. That's called being lazy, emotionally <laughs> lazy. And I, I, I'm not going to do that for you. That would be me enabling you, which isn't good for you. And it's not good for me. It takes away from my emotional capital, my emotional reserves. And I'm really, um, you know, very, uh, con, you know, conscientious about that. I don't want to give that away to you and I'm not being your friend by taking things over for you emotionally and you're not being my friend ask for asking me to do it. So if you need a counselor that you can go speak to and, and get some of this stuff out with these issues that you're having, that's what you should do. But I'm, I'm not your counselor and I'm also not um, going to handle your problems for you. And uh, they were, their feelings were really hurt and they were very upset and we didn't talk for a little bit. And then we started talking again and you know what, that boundary is there and we will have a much better relationship now because of it. I know, I know no one likes commercials, but seriously folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Yes, you, you will. I mean, it's all about the types, you know, obviously I'm a clinician and a counselor and that's really, I feel like my, uh, that's my calling in many, many yes. ways, but I feel like I made mistakes in friendships where I was just way too much of a counselor. It was like I was practicing <laughs> my counseling skills that I learned in college 
with my friends and these right. are your friends you know with your friends you're not always supposed to sit back and be objective and just listen because then you know what happens your friends literally see you as their counselor yes. they, they literally see you as their counselor and they don't see you as a friend that you're going to have even back and forth with and that you're going to tell tell them what you really think and what's on or your own problems exactly like they, get, they get used to you always being the one and then when you come to them and you say I'm you know you're wigging out about something and not behaving like the rational counselor then they're then all of a sudden they're like boy she's just really unhealthy I need to be away from her and you're like hello how much advice have I given you it sets up a not good dynamic <laughs> yeah it definitely does it, it definitely uh, kind of unrealistic expectations. I, I remember, I guess, just as I became more empowered and got out of unhealthy relationships as I was in, those some friends that I spent a lot of time, quote, counseling, um, probably got their feelings hurt. And some of them stuck around and grew up and some of them did not because it's not what they were seeking in the friendship with me. They weren't really seeking a friendship with me. They were just seeking a counselor and someone right. to tell them what to do and someone to be emotionally responsible for your decision, for their decisions, just like you were oh, saying, yeah. Kristen. So when I didn't kind of meet that quota anymore, when I didn't meet the quota of carrying the weight of their burdens, then there was really no purpose for the friendship anymore, which was a relief to me. Yes. But I just, I remember being a little more empowered and just kind of saying what I thought with my friends instead of, again, just sit and listening, which all friends just need to sit and listen sometimes. Right. Um, but it's just not all the time that that needs to happen. Um, yeah. it, it, and you have to, you know, have some judgment of when, when the time to speak up is and when the time to not speak up. Um, and I made some mistakes and I'm sure I'll, con you know, continue to make mistakes about that. But you definitely need to be mindful of it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I've been what Melanie has seen. You've seen so many where you're like, you know, I can later you're like, yeah, I knew that, you know, that was coming. And the, the relief of the person not being in my life anymore, that because all they ever did was call me to get advice for me to help them with their business, for me to help them with their girlfriend, for me to whatever. And, um, and then, and the minute that I had my own issues and tried to, you know, go back and I'm, I'm putting myself at responsibility here too. I'm not just laying blame at this person. I set up the relationship that way. Um, the minute that I did, you know, have an issue and they were, they were angry. They were infuriated and lashed out at me because I wasn't, I didn't have the emotional capital that they were used to just, you know, getting from me. And that friendship ended, uh, those friendships, you know, end and the relief. Oh my God. <laughs> Listen, we empaths do not go cry in a corner when those kinds of relationships leave. If you're empowered, we actually feel better, lighter. We're grateful. We don't wish that person ill, you know, go on and, you know, go bleed somebody else dry. Good luck on your journey. I hope you stop doing that stuff because it's really not healthy. But um, I'm, you know, I always am like, oh, I'm so relieved. I don't have to deal with that person anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I mean, I, you know, it's funny because in my mind, I might not be relieved. But the literally physical sensation in my body 
of being relieved of the burden outweighs any mm -hmm. like guilt or shame I have yes. for, for not being in the relationship anymore with the person um, because there literally is such a physical relief that it, it just all of a sudden you have carrying those burdens. You have exactly. all this emotional capital back in your bucket yep. and your bucket is filling up to the top because we can't really do what we do, what we what we're here to be as an empath. We can't do that unless our bucket is overflowing. That's how yep. it works. OK, and how do we so you got to figure out how do you make it so that your the bucket of you and all your emotional reserves and capital? How do you live your life in such a way that that bucket is flowing over? There's water flowing out of it because what you give to other people is what comes out of that overflow. I'm, I'm totally copying Oprah. I'm rewording something she said. So sorry, listeners, but it was so true. <laughs> then all that overflow that you can give out to people, that's what changes lives and, you know, helps you do great things in the world and, and what have you. And that's not just an empath thing. Everybody should do that. But, but for us, it's really a big deal um so i spent my whole life giving out of a bucket and now we know how to we we know how to energize and we know how to recharge our own batteries that's something that narcissists don't know how to do they have to get their charge off of other people we we're the energizer bunny we recharge our own batteries we also can fill our own bucket so the well's never really going to be dry we'll always have water in it in the well in our bucket whatever way you want to say it because we can tap into the spring that fills it up. So it's never not going to be filled at least to some capacity. Whereas a, an extreme narcissist, they don't even have that. They don't even have the ability to do that. But for us, we can operate with just a teeny little bit of water and we can do great things with that. But why should we? Exactly. That is the choice you have to make is getting out of that mindset of thinking that that's where you have to pull from. It is not. But cre ask and create abundance in your life. There is nothing more powerful than receiving. And that is something that empaths oh. have such a hard time with yes, is receiving. Do. Receive and then that gives you double to give back. You don't have to live this emotional anorexic life. You just don't. Oh, you don't have to yes. live that way. Yeah, you, yeah. you absolutely. And there are relationships in your life that um, I've, I've been able to go back and look at and look at different times in my life and different situations that were extremely toxic. And the lens that I was capable of seeing them through at that time was a was a lens that was or let's say my bucket, my emotional bucket at that time was there. I was like a drop in it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so how I reacted, how I saw the situation, how I saw myself um, was not good. I got out of them, but now that my bucket overflows and that I work on consistently maintaining that, I actually can go back and look at those same situations and be really self-affirming, which also adds things to my bucket. It's a great thing to go back and look at these situations, especially with really toxic people that were just walking up and taking a drink whenever they want and <laughs> slurping everything you got down. 
it's nice to go back and rewrite that history from a perspective of an empowered place and see yourself in a positive light in that situation. Well, no wonder I behaved the way that I did, that I gave all my, myself all this shame over. I, no wonder these people were freaking cuckoo kajoo and thank God I got out. You know, I, I can say those things now because I'm a, I have this overflow where at the time and, you know, even time after I would look at those situations and still, oh, I was this and oh, I should be ashamed and oh, blah, blah, blah. Why did I let this person in my life and da, 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 da. You know, it's nice to get to that place. You need to get to that place where you're overflowing so that you can go back and relook at things and then let them go finally so that you don't have to think about them anymore. Done. Yeah, that's powerful when you can get to that point, huh? <laughs> it is, and it's <laughs> or you hard just don't for even us. think about those things. Yeah, yeah. I, I told you that story the other day, Kristen, and and I'm sure people have had this happen because we, you know, our lives are about relationships. So I was going into the grocery store and I saw someone in the grocery store that I had a lot of contact with um, <laughs> when I was in a relationship with a narcissist and they're still yeah. friends. They're still friends with a narcissist. And as Which I was, in, summer, I know they saw yeah. me. Exactly. I know they saw me. <laughs> I know they saw me and I'm sure that they did not want to speak to me, but I was like prepared. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to speak to them. You know, it wouldn't have had to, I could have just put up a boundary and ignored them, but that's just not who I am. So I was like, okay, and I could talk to this person anyway, where they see me. And as, as I'm walking in the grocery store, they're leaving and they literally run to their car. They literally run away from me. And, you know, a while back, it would have, I, I would have killed felt, you. You oh, would have called it, me and been very upset and I called I mean, your friends. Yeah, and, it'd just be like, oh my gosh, like she ran from me. I, what, I would have immediately blamed myself. I would immediately thought, yes. what have I done? I haven't done anything. That's ridiculous. They don't want to talk to me. But you know, I told you now that I've become a more empowered person and I'm in healing and I'm living authentically, the first thought that went through my mind was literally, yeah, you better run. You know, I mean, literally, that was literally my first thought. I was like, you better run because I, they don't want to be in my presence because I'm a truth teller. And yes. that's the bottom line. And I was just like, that's right. It made me, not that I need to feel powerful, but it just made me feel like it was just very vindicating to know that they were actually yep. afraid to even talk to me so much to the point that they ran to their car. And it's not because I'm some mean person. No. It's just because of their guilty conscience. They were so Absolutely. guilty that they did not want to have to be in any situation where they would have to stand and talk to me. And I just thought it was hilarious. And I was like, oh, I guess I won that one. Definitely won that war, you know? <laughs> so that funny. Brings, that brings us to the, the last piece that I wanted to talk about, if you're okay, Mel. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was, I, something Brie Bonchet, who does, she's a therapist and she does the World Narcissistic Abuse Day and did an amazing summit. And uh, it was interesting to hear some of the stuff that she had to deal with trying to coordinate that. But, um, uh, you, you know, anyway, that's a whole other story. But um, Matt Pappas, who does uh, the show Beyond Your Past, that's on our network. And I mean, so many people were a part of that, that we absolutely just love. 
And she was listening to this guy. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. I think his first name is Jordan. He's up in Canada. And I don't like everything that he teaches. He's he's very controversial. Um, but he she had posted something about um, him in a classroom talking about what we need to do in order to survive predators, okay? And even thrive with predators. And it was brilliant. If I find it, I'll post it on our um, Facebook page. But um, it was about, he was saying, listen, you have to become a predator yourself. Not that you go and hurt people and you, you know, start damaging lives and split people and manipulate and triangulate, not in that respect. But you have to find the predator within yourself and bring it out in order to combat and get out and get away from these relationships. And, and I know that that's true. And the reason why that hit me so much, I mean, I already knew that was true, but that hit me in the gut when I listened to it. I've heard it in different ways. It was the way he said it and where I'm at in my life now and how I'm doing this sort of re-inventory of things that have happened in the past where I really shamed myself and my own behavior in exiting some of these relationships. And um, I love that every time I exit one, there's almost no carnage now. It's very peaceful. <laughs> I don't have a ton of them in my life, but let's face it. They live and breathe. We're going to bump into them. That's what happens. But I don't let them uh, get their teeth in anymore, um, which is which is really good. Or if they do get their teeth in, it's like a tick. It's not like a vampire's. And then I'm easily <laughs> you know, able to go, you're gone. But a lot of the stuff that I did to get out of the big ones, I, I say like, you know, the big four or five, especially the first one, I just, I mean, they were shaming me, their flying monkeys were shaming me. And then I shamed me, my family, some of my family shamed me for how I handled the situation. And now that I'm doing this inventory, um, I'm like, Damn girl, you did good. That's called some warrior shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because... like we were talking about earlier with battles, you you have to level the playing field. Yes. That's the thing. It is not in your nature to behave yeah. like a narcissist behaves. But it it dawned on me too when I was ending my relationship and and it was and it was literally I I realized I am not even playing I'm not even being fair to myself. I'm not even being fair to myself because I'm so stuck. And, you know, this moralistic behavior that I had, which was kind of narcissistic on my end, too. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because I may behave in a certain way for self-preservation, that does not make me who I am. You know, right. I chose to. And li literally, you have to even the playing field because they are depending on you always fighting from a Saving. deficit because that's what you do. You always. Oh. So they're depending on that. And when you start leveling the playing field, the deficit and, they created. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When you start playing from a different playing field, it literally rocks their world and it will release an energy and a movement will shift spiritually, I feel like, and you will be able to exit the relationship. But if you always stay in that deficit mentality, it's going to be so hard for you to get out because you're just not 
not going to be strong enough. And they're so evil and callous and unbelievably hateful and hurtful that it you'll never, if you don't put up some barriers, if you if you don't level the playing field, it's really going to be hard to get out and then getting into repeat relationships with people yes. like that. If you're constantly, because they literally can walk into a room and see who's working from a deficit. Hmm. Who is it here that I can get whatever I want out of? You know, that's, that's literally what these people do. They look for people with, oh, with I, I it's like a cult oh, leader. Exactly. I, oh my God. And I walked around as, as empowered and I fight and da, 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 da. And I had Michael with me and he fought too. And that was great. And then when I was on my own and I had to do it for myself, about 8,000 narcissists see on their way into my life. Yeah. <laughs> I spent seven years figuring out how the hell, and for, and for quite a few, for like four or five of them. Well, I'd say like four of them. Yeah, probably like four of them. I took my behavior to a level of, I scared these people. Mm. And that is why they stopped harassing me. They paid me what they owe me. And they, um, you know, they, and these, these people have gone on to rip off thousands of people after me. Okay. And those, some yeah. of those people have called me and been like, how is it that they still this to you and that they leave you alone? And I'm like, because I, sh I scared them with my behavior. I, and, and I used to think that that's because I'm a narcissist too. I'm a horrible person. No, being mean to an evil predator. And I say mean in quotes does not make you an evil predator. It makes you a freaking warrior. Okay. Exactly. That, that's what it, it makes does. You smart. They it will makes turn around and smart. tell you, look at how awful you are. Look at how you're behaving. And they've gaslighted you into it, of course. And yes, we have to take personal responsibility for her, for our behavior. But I tell you right now, I, and I'm not, you know, inviting one in to be worse and whatever. There are some I've let have the last word because I knew that that was the only way that they're going to get it out of my life. Good. Have the last word. Your ego needs it. Bye-bye. And there are a few where I'm yeah. like, hell no, you ain't going to get the last word. Get out. And they literally um, were fearful of what, of, of what depth I could go to, to them was worse than anything that they could think of um, in the in that particular situation. And that was what was needed for them to leave me alone and get out of my life. And I realize now that my cup is starting to runneth over um, often that that's nothing for me to be ashamed of. That's something for me to be very proud of. That's how much I care about myself. That's how much I cared about myself, even then completely depleted with one drop of water in my bucket. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, life in itself is such a gift. So we really should value that gift and fight for our right to <clears throat> live in a healthy space and to be yes. happy and work from this place of abundance and you know, and then also just speaking to the different behaviors that you were talking about, we have to remember that narcissism 
and personality disorders in general are on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So every person is going to fall on a different place on the spectrum. And so it doesn't mean one way treating one you know, personality disordered person is not going to be the same way that you treat the other. Right. You're going to have to use your own skills as an empath and your intuition yes. to understand how to fight the battle because every, you know, every enemy is different. Uh, you don't go into battle fighting, you know, troops on horses the same way that you go in the battle fighting troops that are driving, you know, Humvees and, right. uh, you know, you just don't right. do the same thing. So you have to understand and know your enemy so that you can plan accordingly. So, and there's not, yeah, there's nothing wrong with thinking that way, the way that they think in, in order to strategize your exit and to get them to get out of your life. It doesn't make you, that's the thing that I found interesting when I was, there's a stage of, of narcissistic abuse recovery where you are like, the worst thing anybody could call you was a narcissist. And, yeah. um, you know, I had a couple of people that called me that and I was like, Oh, you know, cause you don't want to be that, which you, which you have found is evil because it's been evil in your life. Cause you've been treated by someone with a personality, narcissistic personality disorder, who literally was trying to destroy your soul. And so you don't want to be associated in any way with that thing called narcissism. And that's a stage. I get it. Everybody goes through that stage, but, um, and some people live there forever. And that's the saddest part. That's the saddest part when people stay there forever. Cause it, that's, that's a stage you need to go through, think it, and then get the hell out of that stage, graduate out of that. Not everybody you meet. I mean, I remember somebody coming on the show and telling me I can be with someone three minutes and I can tell if they're a sociopath. And I'm like, <laughs> You should not be treating people and there's no clinical experience whatsoever. And you're, you know, out there giving advice to, you know, people in trauma recovery. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's too quick of an assessment. I mean, certainly we have our gut feelings and we've probably all been around people that we had a really strong feeling around, but not every person. It's just not. Personality no. disorders are very hard, especially narcissism. I, it, it is very rare that just a malignant narcissist comes in and sits down in your office and after the first, you know, hour and 30 minute intake session, they walk out and you're like, hands down, this person's a narcissist. No, 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 no. Yeah. They, they come in and it's, you know, a pattern starts to establish other relationships in their lives start to point to different things. And then you can really, you know, decide whether that, there's a personality disorder. Is it just narcissistic traits? Is it histrionic traits? You know, what is this? You can't, as a clinician, you can't throw those thing, things around lightly, but sometimes the proof is in the pudding. Sometimes it's just as blatant as it can be. If they're and, overt, uh, you can smell exactly. them walking around you the really stairs to your office. If they're covert, yep. oh hell, even Robert Hare will say, they're sneaky take ones. me six months before I figured that one out, you know, because yep. they, they they're good at what they do and they don't have the, they don't have the, um, you know, the, what we see as a benefit and they see as a curse, they don't have the empathy. Um, so they can spend all their time focused on, you know, manipulating, triangulating, playing chess with people's lives where, you know, when you get, when they fling you off the chessboard, you're literally being thrown off a cliff to your doom in the ocean because they've destroyed you <laughs> emotionally. I mean, you know, you, you, it takes, 
it does take time to figure them out and don't beat yourself up for having them come in your life. Um, you know, they, they will always, they always will. It's, it's just a matter of, you know, how are you going to warrior yourself, in a, you know, to get disengaged and have it be a peaceful exit the next time. And they just, you know, my goal now is I want them to, uh, if they are going to take a bite, if they do get that close, they realize I taste like crap because I'm so empowered and I'm that they just, I like the woman running away from you in the, you know, uh, in the yes. grocery store parking lot. Yeah. Cause we just don't taste good. You know, we're yep. just, yeah, that person's not going to be fun. Cause I can't manipulate them. I can't, you know, they're not going to, they're boring to me. They're not fun. I can't yep. play with them. That that's the goal where I, that's where I'm at now is like, please see me as the most boring person ever and walk on by and sadly find somebody else. Yep. Exactly. Well, I think we have covered lots of, uh, yes, lots of material have. today. I like it when <laughs> you host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just keep going. Right. I don't, you know, good. I, I, I guess we, we were wanted to talk about vulnerability and authenticity. And I guess we really talked about the undercurrents of those things and what it takes to maintain and, and not fall back to a place of just being in protection mode all the time. Uh, because then you're not able to be who you really are. And if you don't know who you really are, it's going to be really hard to navigate your way out of unhealthy situations and navigate your way into your destiny. Um, and so I feel like this is just one of the most important things in life. It's something that I really tried to do with my uh, clients when I used to see clients as a clinician was help them find their authentic selves because that's where they can feel empowered. And if a person's empowered, then they can deal with most any stressor in life. And that was always my goal is sometimes you have these dire situations that you really have to just work on the surface and help people get through things. But more than anything, I wanted to try to help prepare the person for, for life because, you know, life is hard. Things yes. are stressful. Life isn't fair, all those things. So, but then you have those really wonderful moments in life too, that are so much more powerful than the negative that can come along. So yeah. you still got to be prepared. You still got to awesome. be sharpening your knives and loading your right. guns in the background, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Just because you're an empath doesn't mean you don't carry a freaking toolbox that has a shield, an axe, <laughs> yes, a samurai exactly. sword, a, yep. you know, exactly. So, and that you don't carry some polish and take that stuff out and polish it and remind yourself that you're a freaking warrior. Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. All right. Well, we will wrap up today. Thank you guys for joining us again for another episode of Empowered Empaths. And tune in again soon. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.